What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Straight Facts, the sports show that educates and entertains. I am today's host, Kyle Sirik. No James Jackson with us today. We'll see him again next week. But we do have the other two members of our crew. That's Jake Galley and Stat Matt Robinson. What's going on, guys? How we feeling? Feeling good. Weather's uh, finally turning around here. I was going for a cruise with my windows down. Uh, feels nice. Feels nice, man. It's always great when this time of year everything gets warmer. It just makes the mood around the or end with everything opening up. Just the mood seems to be much better than it was. Like it makes everything ago. better. I think it was like eighty degrees in Pittsburgh yesterday, and we're looking at like seventy-five all weekend. So it's beautiful. But we did just have some stuff happen in the past week. That is, Baylor won the national championship, which makes NBA fans think about the NBA draft going forward. But we have another draft coming up. That is the NFL draft. And what we're going to do today is we're going to mock draft it. One through ten. We're not going to go too crazy, but we're going to do a little simulation type of thing. We're all going to have our teams picks one through ten. Jake's going to have four teams with the Jags. Um, who else do you have, Jake? You got the Jags, the Falcons, the Lions, and the Cowboys. I'm going to take the Jets, the Bengals, and the Panthers. And Matt's going to take the Niners, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. And we're going to do the straight facts, somewhat mock draft. I'm, I'm not sure quite what to call it. And and we're going to go through these top tens and go through the rationale behind them. So, Jake, you're on the board first with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, I'm actually going to take my full 10 minutes like they do in the NFL. And then I'll announce <laughs> it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this, this is an open shut pick here. Trevor Lawrence is the pick. Maybe he won't end up being the best pro, um, but with all the hype surrounding him, how can if the, um, the Jaguars are selecting him? So, um, you know, I, I think that this is a move that if he is the guy could potentially turn their franchise around. They've uh, had good teams in the past and uh, kind of had to rebuild because they didn't have the quarterback to go along with it. Now they seem to be building the uh, the other way around with the quarterback first. So hopefully with this selection, we, uh, we can... Start to bring some banners to Jacksonville. <laughs> Just a complete shocker there, Jake. Um, <laughs> I got the two pick now with the Jets, and I was hoping to, you know, snag up Trevor Lawrence. Slide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you kind of messed up those plans. But with the two pick, and this is actually a thinking on the actual NFL, a pretty interesting pick. Everyone is in love with Zach Wilson for some reason. But if you've been listening to the show for the past month or so, you know who I'm taking with that two pick. And for the Jets, I'm bringing Justin Fields to New York with the two pick. I think he is clearly QB2. I've gone past in the past. I mean, he was QB1 in high school. Um, we saw what he did in the college football playoffs. I don't know what everyone's talking about, that he's not a leader. He's not a guy. He's like all those quotes. I don't get it. I think he's clearly the second best quarterback. And I don't think it's going to happen in real life. But right now, I'm taking Justin Fields at two for the Jets. Well, you know, if this goes wrong, the New York media is just going to cannibalize you for that one, dude. Dude, they're oh, taking man. Zach Wilson anyways. Screw it. Yeah, right. Which is a mistake. I still don't get it. I mean, we could talk about it after it happens, but I still don't understand why I'd take Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. Yeah, it's, I mean. It, it, the stuff that's coming out about Justin Fields like, doesn't work hard, just is mind-bogglingly stupid. It doesn't make sense. I still don't think NF the NFL has like a great grasp on how to evaluate quarterbacks. I like agree. there's so much that goes into into being a great quarterback. Like you need the talent, but if you don't have the other things that go along with it, like if you're not a leader, if you can't cognitively process things and, and improve your game that way, like you're not going to be a top end quarterback. And that's the stuff that is harder to to find out. So um yeah. and they and they sometimes do it the opposite way where they put too much emphasis on that and like think a guy like Josh Rosen, how he like led his team and then comes to the NFL and he's a highly regarded pick. And now he's on, is he a free agent now? I don't even know. I know he's jumped around to like three teams in three years. So it's ridiculous to think. Yeah. I'm not sure where he's at. Maybe free agency. Probably. So All right, I, Matt, you got the second, I, you got the third pick yeah, with the 49 pick. Uh, I really don't want to do this, but the 49ers, Traded up for a reason to pick a quarterback. And I really don't like Zach Wilson that much, but I feel like they got to pick him with all the capital they gave up. And I think Zach Wilson is closer to being like the fifth best QB than he is to being the second best QB. I think the top two is so clear in Lawrence and Fields, but I think that Wilson is like closer to like Trey Lance than he is to Justin Fields. But I, I, the 49ers, after what they 
did the trade up. I think they have to take a quarterback, which will be Zach Wilson. Definitely do. So that's actually really intriguing because if you've been reading uh, some of the reports that have been coming out, the guy who they're supposed to be moving up for is supposedly Mac Jones, which is crazy. Um, but if you look into it a little deeper, so Chris Sims is the guy who's really pushing uh, this whole narrative that they're going to pick Mac Jones. He's the one who did a lot of the mock drafts and reporting on it. And uh, the thing is, him and Kyle Shanahan are like super tight. They have their each other's initials tattooed on their ankle, um, which is a, a little known fact. Yeah, Chris Sims and Kyle Shanahan. So, you know, when he's coming out and saying like the guy they moved up for is Mac Jones, I'm sure he's getting fed that information from Kyle Shanahan. Now, the question is, do you think that you know, lifelong friend Kyle Shanahan is deceiving him purposefully to to set a smokescreen? Maybe, but you know, Matt, if 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 Justin Fields or Kyle, if Justin Fields does go to, that opens up some really crazy possibilities for my pick yeah. with the Falcons here at four. Yeah, and I actually, if Justin Fields doesn't go to, and they go three with the Niners, go three with Mac Jones, and Justin Fields is available at four. What is going on? It's actually, I've never seen, have, has there been this many quarterbacks for like QB2? Um, I can't think of a year where there's been a, a lot of consensus guys or a, a consensus number one and then a lot of guys who were close seconds. I mean, like looking back on it now, like it seems ridiculous, but the Cam Newton draft kind of was like that. I mean, there was a lot of guys who went, you know, Jake Locker, uh, mm-hmm. Ponder, um, Gabbert, who all went in the top 10 after Cam Newton, if I remember correctly. Maybe, actually, I don't know if Gabbert was top 10. But that was that was a year that was somewhat similar. Yeah, and yeah, also Mac a couple Jones. years ago, it was like, a lot of people argued like between Baker, Sam Darnold, and like Josh Allen. That was the Josh one I was Rosen, thinking yeah. about. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking about. But we might get, especially if Mac Jones is this highly taught after, which I didn't think so, we could get five QBs in the top 10. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. But I mean, we can go forward. Jake, you got the fourth pick So with the Atlanta Falcons. I, I can tell you with almost absolute certainty, as much certainty as a non-connected you know, media member can, t- can have, if Zach Wilson is available with the fourth pick, the Falcons will 100% be trading down. They will 100% trade. A team will trade into that spot to move up and get him. However, for simplicity's sake, so I don't have to create a trade on the fly here, uh, I'm just going to move along as if the top three went as expected. And I'm going to go with a little bit of a shocker here. James would probably ream me out for doing this if he was here. I think Kyle Pitts is the pick for the Falcons. I think oh, they're going to... Took him. Oh, I thought I, he was going to be there at six. I think okay. that it, it, like in reality, they would move. They would like to move down a little bit and take him. I don't, I don't think, you know, number four, He. I don't know if he'll be the fourth best player, but he is a guy who fits right in. Julio's not getting any younger, and Calvin Ridley is going to want a massive payday. So, I mean, maybe you pay Ridley. I don't know how long Julio has left, but you add uh, Pitts into that offense, and now even if Matt Ryan is only the guy for two, three more years, you have a guy who can uh, lead that offense in, at, at a skilled position going forward, even after Matt Ryan's gone. So that would be the pick. Optimally, I would have traded down, but I don't have any trade partners. So. <laughs> All right, I guess that puts me on the board right at five with the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is a tough one because um, you think, you know, this team is a team that's had Joe Burrow just get pressured all last year, had him with a horrible injury, you know, an injury that could end a lot of guys' careers. And the consensus is take Jamar Chase, you know, pair him back up with his LSU mate. But Penny Sewell is up. Is that how you say it? Penny Sewell? It's Penny Sewell, I think. Sewell, I think. Yeah, yeah, he is still up, and that's what makes this pick hard for me because I think that Bengals, without a doubt, need an O-line. And their wide receivers look decent, but Jamar Chase is the type of dude that could come in and be a wide receiver one right away over Boyd, over Higgins, and with the Cincinnati Bengals' fifth, round, or fifth overall pick, I'm taking Jamar Chase. Wow. You know... A lot of Bengals fans that I've seen on Twitter have been petitioning hard for them to take an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. And um, it, and when you have a bit, like you said, when you have a big playmaker like that, it can be a tough pill to swallow passing up on a guy. But um, I, I think with Burrow's injury, that just makes me super 
I would say, yeah, it would makes me concerned. And I would say that a big point of emphasis would be making sure he is protected. But um, he's apparently been campaigning for Jamar Chase to be the pick. So as his college running mate, right? I mean, I guess Jefferson got most of the shine that year, but Jamar Chase still put up an outstanding regular season that year. Still, though, it's a trend. Kyler Murray was pleading for the Cardinals to take um, CD Lamb last year, and they didn't listen to him. So, yep. All right, Matt, that puts you on the clock with the Miami Dolphins. If the draft plays out like this, I do think the Dolphins trade down because they're clearly, I think, looking for offensive weapons to pair with Tua. Their defense is pretty set. Their offensive line is pretty good. But if I'm going to be the Dolphins not trading down, I think they Brian Flores is a defensive guy. He loves defenders, so... You just throw Micah Parsons on that Dolphins already great defense and Brian Flores will be happy to have another person he can just throw in that vaunted defense and yep. hope to find some offensive talent with better value. Uh, they got a bunch of picks, so I don't I actually don't know if they could trade down more of all the picks they have. So they got some other opportunities to get uh, wide receivers later in the draft. So I think I feel like a real GM now. Matt's like stealing the picks I'm thinking about. You said Micah Parsons, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about that for my next pick. But all right, Matt. All right. Maybe I'll Mike, steal your guy next time. Micah Parsons is really an interesting one for me because as well as Jamar Chase and Sewell as well. I mean, all these guys who haven't played in a year. Um, you know, I don't know if that amplifies some of the concerns you may have. Like, yeah, we have this tape on on a guy. We haven't seen him in a year. We don't know exactly what he looks like at game speed um, mm-hmm. nowadays. And, you know, there, there's some concerns about Parsons off the field stuff, which at the end of the day, I don't know how much of that stuff ends up mattering. Uh, yeah. y- you remember back a couple drafts ago, the video of uh, Laramie Tunsil, Laramie Tunsil, yeah. you know, like that's ridiculous that that made him slide. He ends up being like the and highest paid like, tackle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it is it. It's going to be very intriguing to see how all of this uh, plays out. I have a um, a very bold take about the linebacker position. I think it's the most insignificant position in football unless you're a stud. I think that it's very, like, I mean, you look at guys, even like, I mean, the Eagles were bad, but you have who, Singleton and Edwards at linebacker? I mean, there's just these plug guys you could throw in. I think the stud comes at an exception, though, if you have this athletic freak. And I feel like Micah Parsons might check that box, but I'm still a little cautious on him because honestly, if you look at linebackers around the league, it's the dudes that you know their name and it's the guys that you've never heard of. I mean, there's there's no in-between that you have these studs and you just have these plug-and-play players. A counterpoint to your Eagles uh, point is that Nate Gary being one of their more reliable linebackers <laughs> literally cost them the game against Pittsburgh with yeah, Claypool well, just blowing by him that can be put on Jim, Jim Schwartz though for having the dude that had three touchdowns at that point I think getting single coverage by Nate Gary in the game winning situation I mean it's I agree though yeah so right, Jake, you got the next pick right yeah number seven here and uh after the acquisition of Jared Goff you know if they were still hanging around with Matt Stafford I don't know um I don't know if, if I'd be super confident in, in the future of Matt Stafford. He's getting a little up there. But now they have Jared Goff. I think you're going to have to protect him. We've seen what happens when uh, you can bring pressure on Jared Goff. He folds like a deck of cards. So uh, with Penny Sewell being still on the board, I, I get that has to be the pick for me. Um, get a bookend that, that can protect Jared Goff. Uh, they're going to... Now, now I, I will also say that they may they may go after weapons here. Um, mm-hmm. No more Galladay, so uh, they have Hawkinson, who's a solid piece. Marvin Jones is solid, but he's not you know wide receiver one material. So maybe you're tempted to go Devontae Smith or Waddle, but I'm going to protect the quarterback. I go Penesul here. Okay, okay. Well, I've had two of my picks taken in the last <laughs> two picks. But that puts me up next with the Carolina Panthers. And I'm in the same kind of uh, debacle you're in, that you have DJ Moore, um, but you no longer have a Curtis Samuel. Robbie Anderson's probably your number two. And after that, your depth chart at wide receiver is looking a little weak. But I looked at their corners for the Carolina Panthers, and they're atrocious. (laughs) I mean, you have Dante Jackson and Troy Pride Jr. Those are your first two starting corners. 
So it's a tough decision here for me between Devontae Smith and um, Sertain, Patrick Sertain. Um, but I think with Matt Rule's system, you want that playmaker. And so I'm, I think he's the type of guy that's not going to pass up on the Devontae Smith. And especially the way the draft has gone where you can't get a linebacker. You can't get the offensive lineman you wanted because you're not going to reach. I mean, there's there's clear cut favorites in those positions. So I'm going to take Devontae Smith for the Carolina Panthers at eight. That's a, that that would be a shock. I would characterize that as a shocker if that goes mm-hmm. down that way. Um, again, like I, I was I don't know if I said it on uh, on tape, but I was mentioning to you, Kyle, before the show that. You know, before the Sam Darnold trade, this would be the perfect spot, especially with Zach Wilson still on the board. This would be the Zach perfect the spot. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know what you guys think of Darnold, but um, even with him now, two years guaranteed, maybe they still go quarterback, but yeah. uh, I, I think Darnold affords, affords you at least a year to, to give him, see what he can do, and... Uh, then maybe next year you pick a quarterback. I mean, you still have Teddy Bridgewater on that roster, right? True. Yeah. And you, I, have, I Matt, so. you have Matt Rule linked with uh, P.J. Walker at the third spot. I don't think you want to give that up. Um, not that I think P.J. Walker is going to be any insane level quarterback in the NFL, but yeah, I, I'm going to go Devontae Smith. I'm, I'm happy with that. You just made John Elway in this fantasy world the happiest man on earth. Yep. Because <laughs> yep. He, would, he would die happier than he's ever been it doesn't matter about the two super bowls he won as a player one as a gm the fact that mac jones fell to him <laughs> he would he would be over the moon and i think uh, i i actually would pick mac jones here i think this quarterback class is better than what next year's is going to be and i like mac jones at nine i don't like him and it's the 49ers take him at three that would be oh boy so but, uh it, uh, I, Mac I just went nine. I, he he had one of the best statistical college seasons ever, and no one really talks about it. Um, he I put up almost Burrow like numbers. He's not a Burrow like player, but I like Denver starting, moving on from Drew Locke and trying another quarterback to fill the post Manning void. I agree. Uh, I just realized like I'm so slow. Like Zach Wilson has been off the board. I yeah, assume that Matt just picked at that too. Mac Jones, and then I click back onto our sheet where we're tracking it. Thank God we're tracking it. I'm like <laughs> Zach Wilson's been off the board. What am I talking about? Um, no, that 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 is the you are right about that, Matt. The perfect John Elway quarterback, like to yep. a T, what he's looking for. Um, I guess it's time to move on for Drew, from Drew Locke. Like, I, like he hasn't really popped or flashed, but um, he's shown some some uh, outside, you know, mobility outside the pocket, extend the plays type stuff. But yeah, if Mac Jones is there, I could definitely see that being the pick. Yeah, I I, I still don't believe in Mac Jones, especially over Trey Lance. But I, I I think what you said about Elway makes a lot of sense to me, and I think they should move on at quarterback. The Broncos should. For sure. Jake has a tough time because he had Drew Locke in Fantasy Dynasty Leagues. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're trying to move on. We've got Tua as well in the fold. We've, we've got some other guys. I spent like all of my budget on Jameis when he was a free agent when Drew Brees went down, and then he didn't end up being the starter. So maybe yeah. he's a starter this year, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be all right. Drew's probably going to get cut from our team, but we'll be all right. All right, Jake, round out our mock draft. We're nine picks in. We're going 10. You got the Dallas Cowboys at 10. Yeah, it's a tough one here. It's not a comfortable position for me to be uh, bettering the Cowboys, but um, I think it's a clear pick. I do too. And if Patrick Sertain is yep. still there, yep. they're going to be running to the uh, the podium with the pick. He, yep. in my opinion, is the best corner in the draft. I know some people like J.C. Horn, but um, when you look at what Sertain did at Alabama and when you look at the uh, depth chart, I mean, really, you, you have Trayvon Diggs, who is decent, and then behind that, you have a bunch of nobodies. So you're going to have to beef that that uh, defensive backfield up, and I think this is the way they do it going with Sertain. Yeah, I think that would be a clear pick at 10, especially with the guys off the board that are currently off the board. I think Sertain just makes sense. Um, it's Jerry Jones. You know, he likes to pick these high-profile guys. I think Sertain fits that mold. Um, but I want to see what happens if, like, Devontae Smith is there at 10. 
does he pull the trigger like he did the trade up for so many Lamb? weapons they really he doesn't shouldn't. care they just need more <laughs> that's how jerry jones operates it seems they he's an old more. man he knows he doesn't have much time left he wants to see some points scored he doesn't yeah, care they're fully i mean you saw dak prescott before the injury they were fully fine giving up 30 to the other team if they could score 40 i mean the falcons yeah. collapsed but i don't know it'd be interesting but that is it for the Straight Facts mock draft. To run it through, we got Trevor Lawrence at one, Justin Fields at two, Zach Wilson at three, Pitts at four, Jamal Chase at five, Micah Parsons at six, Sewell at seven, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, and Patrick Sertain. Three Alabama guys rounding out the mm. top ten. There it is. Stamp it. We're going to be correct. That's how we operate on this show. I'd prefer Sertain to fall to the Eagles. <laughs> Would you? Yeah, me too. <laughs> if yeah. we get Devontae Smith at 12 or Sertain, I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah, actually, if this is how the top 10 plays out, I'm really mad about the Eagles pick because there's a lot of guys up there that could fall to 12 that just aren't going to be there if this is how it works. Well, yeah, let, let's, let's I guess, run it out just for the Eagles fans' sake. Um, there, It's Washington at 11, right? New York. It's the Giants. New York at 11, that's correct. So I would say they would probably have been looking for a linebacker. At this point, they probably can't take... Uh, can't take Parsons. Well, he's right. He's gone. Um, you can go O lineman as well. They've had a horrible O line for years now. Yeah, I mean, like, you would you guys? Darisol. You're on the clock at number twelve. They go non weapon. Do you take Waddle if you're the Eagles? If Pitts and everyone else is gone, all the all the pass catchers. I'd rather have Smith than Waddle. Smith is gone though. Just assuming. Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not bad with Waddle. I also think we need a corner. Yeah, you could take um, mock draft either. You could take <laughs> Newsome. You could take Newsome from Northwestern at corner or Horn. Yeah, you said Horn. Horn. Yeah, right. I just hope. I hope it doesn't work out like this. Just please, one of them. I don't, I don't like Waddle as well. Smith, I think certain. he's more like a later first guy. I'm just looking for a Parsons Smith or certain. If one of them drops, give me him. Yeah, give me him at twelve. Yeah, Pitts too. In a perfect world, I don't think, like I said, I don't think the Falcons actually take him at four. But in terms yeah. of making sense for the team, that's where I they had to go. Pitts won't be there at twelve. Kyle Pitts. I'm, yeah, I me too. Think he's so fucking good. Me too. All right. Well, that is our mock draft. We got to move forward. And talking about moving forward, sports leagues are moving forward and starting to allow fans into the stadium. So we're going to go around and we're going to give our best, you know, live sporting event takes our stories which is a weird thing to do, just thinking about sports. Like, oh, what do you mean live sporting events? But we know how this last year has gone. So, Jake, I want to start with you. What's the best live sporting event you've been to? Uh, the best, I think, has to be Eagles versus Vikings NFC Championship that sent the Eagles to the Super Bowl, which they ended up winning. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I've talked about the mo- this, this game actually being at this game before on here, uh, but... The atmosphere, I mean, it was super tense, super tight. You could feel the tension before the pick six. Um, And then after the Vikings' second drive, or I get the the drive after the pick six, the Eagles really started to open it up. And by the second half, like really, I would say the flea flicker is uh, at the point where everyone around you realized the Eagles were going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It is... It, it's, it's like making my hair like stand up on my arm right now thinking about it. It is. It was just an amazing, amazing feeling. It's You're, the best I've ever seen the Eagles play football. The, the, yeah, that, going from the end after the Vikings' first touchdown drive, just the rest of the game. It was just it, just watching it at home. It was so fun to watch. Guys, it was just beautiful. You guys are hammering the nail into the coffin for me because I turned down tickets to that game. I was in my freshman year at Pittsburgh and didn't want to do nine hours of driving that weekend. And it is still one of the biggest regrets of my life. Um, and I think my dad gave the ticket to my cousin, I believe. But I would have been there, row 16, section 129, 130, I believe. But yeah, I mean, I'm happy for you, Jake. It sounds like it was great, <laughs> I, especially after we won the Super Bowl. I wasn't thinking in like forward. You know, I was just thinking about, I don't want to do this driving. Well, I could have been at the NFC Championship game where we blew out the Vikings on the year we won the Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl in history. I mean, ugh. the here the, on the flip side, the flip like it's, it's a very, you know, risk oriented decision because on the flip side, if they lose or get crushed, like it is the worst thing on earth to be in a playoff game that they lose and then you have to drive. 
drive yeah. all and the that, way home. It's that brutal. game was on a Sunday night too. Mm-hmm. I would have missed my Monday classes. And it was, uh, so I had actually an opportunity it. to go to the Falcons game uh, in division round. Basically, my Christmas present from my parents was you get to you have this much money allotted for t- uh, sport tickets, and I was torn between getting great seats to a Sixers game or upper level but still good view seats for the Eagles in the playoffs and I thought if the I I pay if I pick the Eagles playoffs then there's a really high chance that it's just a bad memory and if the Sixers lose like a regular season game but I have great seats it's not the end of the world so I and this was before Foles looked like he was anything so I picked a game that the Sixers actually blew out the Pelicans was a fun game but I do kind of wish I picked that uh <laughs> the playoff game. The playoff game. Yeah. All right. I'll 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 put another win another one in next. And for me it's the uh the Pitt UCF football game two years ago. This is when Central Florida was on like a twenty seven game winning streak. They were the self proclaimed national championship or champions and Pitt beats them at the last second on the Pitt special. It was an ESPN game. Um just for Pitt football that was insane because we didn't really think we were good. And we weren't good, but, you know, we still made a bowl game that year, had a decent season. But just being there and watching that and seeing, you know, getting all the text and seeing all the things on Twitter, like this was the moment of the night was just so fun to be like a Pitt student. Because honestly, in my four years here, we've had a horrible basketball team. We have a football team that finishes like a game above 500 that competes sometimes, but it's never actually good. But I just remember that game it was pouring rain. Half the student section left at halftime, but we stayed. We got up to the front row of the student section, and Kenny Pickett caught the ball probably ten feet in front of me, right in the end zone. You can watch the replay. I'm actually on it. It's it was it was a great experience. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that you know Temple and, and to Temple's credit, they actually did produce a pretty great run and pretty great moment to be at. They beat Penn State that year, and I went to the Notre Dame game, but like. Overall, the sports weren't really that great. There weren't really that many signature moments. And overall, like just the the, the the fan base interest was was low. And I always wished that, you know, I had went to a college that, that could produce those moments that played the best of the yeah. best. And uh, that does sound like a really enthralling it moment was, for and, sure. And it's at Heinz Field, too. I mean, I, I guess Temple plays at the link, right? So you get the same type of environment, but... Now that you say that, my number two, I well know my number two was only beat Florida State last year for Pitt. But the number three for Pitt memories is like watching Zion, Cam Reddish, and RJ Barrett just destroy us, just beat us by 30. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'll jump to. So, I was lucky enough for one year to go to a college, West Virginia, that had its own dedicated football stadium and basketball stadium. And uh, all the football game I'll pick, I'll do like the highlights of West Virginia was a game against Oklahoma state when they were 10th in the country and West Virginia has gotten blown out by Maryland on the road. And we upset Oklahoma state. We were 20 point underdogs. There was a Carl Joseph pick six. So it was really exciting. And just that atmosphere in a college stadium, especially when it's built for college sports and you singing country roads at the end is such a great thing, but I actually like the basketball games even more because you could get incredible seats if you just got there earlier because student sections all the way up front. Yeah, that and, was ours too. Yeah, there were so many good basketball games. I got to see like Buddy Heald, Marcus Smart, like up real close. And uh, Andrew Wiggins, unfortunately, Embiid was hurt for the Kansas game. But it was actually an Iowa State game that was my favorite West Virginia basketball game where Iowa State was ranked like 15th in the country and West Virginia just made a million threes. It was like 102 to like 77 was the final. And I just remember with all my dorm mates, we were going nuts back and forth and it launched us into like, after that game, we were projected in bracketology to make the tournament. Didn't wind up that way, but it was the very Mm. beginning of that like press Virginia era. Yeah. And they were always, it was just, College sports, there's just a different energy that's incredible. Yeah, that's the fun thing about the pit basketball games, too. You're literally first three rows. And for some reason, people show up to pit basketball games. Like, I've seen Ryan Shazier, James Conner, Avante Maddox, and I saw Jay-Z sitting 10 feet. No, not 10. Probably, like, 30 feet away from me to watch Zion play. And I guess he signed him in the locker room. <laughs> like, So I, I've just seen, like, 
so many people for no reason for a, just a horrible pit program, but the energy there is still great. You could be under 500, but you in a close game and it still feels like you're playing for the national championship. Yeah. And yeah. And at West Virginia, we got like these news like paper fleets about like instructions on who to boo and like how to boo certain people. We get those too. We yeah. get those too. <laughs> and there was, it was a uh, Evander Kane was the, and because West Virginia hates Pitt, this guy transferred from Pitt to Iowa State. So we'd like chant at him, Pittsburgh reject. And he had like a horrible game. He airballed a free throw. It was, it was great. Hey, this guy's name is Evander Kane. Yeah. You know, there's like a hockey player by the same name who's. I might have the name wrong. It's been pretty good. Seven years, but. Um, I mean, I'm, in, I'm sure that you, you might be right. But uh, yeah, they don't they don't hand out any pamphlets on how to boo uh a temple or in philly in we general. get it we get it for pit because the whole thing DeAndre is when pit scores when pit scores their first basket you like tear up the newspaper and yeah throw you throw it, it in. Uh, yeah that yeah. for yeah. west virginia was your first three yeah that's what we yeah, did. that's cool yeah see temple they were just happy to get some people in the building <laughs> with how that program <laughs> looked but uh all right jake you got another one yeah i do and i'm kind of torn on what would be my second uh I, i'm gonna probably have to go with Sixers versus Raptors game six. Uh, at that point, it was funny. You listen to the radio, you listen to the fan base. Everyone had given up on the Sixers. Um, yeah. They got blown I, out in game five. They'd gotten blown out in game five, right? And, and it's just t- Toronto looked unstoppable. Um, and I got my tickets for like 70 bucks. Crazy. I uh, it, it, Ridiculous. That's the only reason I went. Yeah. I didn't plan on going until my friend was like, Hey, there's these really cheap tickets. We get there. My back is literally second, the highest it can be literally back against the wall. I have like the worst seats in the house, but um, the Sixers ended up romping uh, the Raptors in that game. They were up like 20 heading into the fourth quarter. uh, And it it was just the energy was really because like it's different than the Eagles game because when you're in Wells Fargo Center with the closed roof, it's just every there feels like there's a reverberation and it's everyone's close and you're like on top of the action. Uh, and it was amazing. I thought like, oh, my God, like they, they really might have a chance to go on to the Eastern Conference finals. They here. were four bounces away. Yes, they were. So uh, that's like the first playoff game that I've ever been to as like not with my family paid for by my own money. So that that's yeah. why that one sticks out above uh, some of the other ones. Was that the um, Embiid windmill into airplane game? I think that was it was. Game three. Oh, it was, was game, game three. three. That's right. Yeah, that's I was right, going right. to say. I remember that being at home. Uh, I've, right. I'm, that was my favorite. Game three. Game three was a fun one too. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I only have one other one, and that is the. And it's kind of lame, but just the energy at the link that day was insane. That was the Eagles in 2019, Week 16. We faced the Cowboys for the division. Um, we didn't make a playoff run. I think we won the first round against the Bears, and then lost after that. But the energy, and that was a 17 to 9 game, like a very close game. And the energy in the link was immaculate. I mean, that was, we thought we had a team. We were wrong. We went 9 and 7. But, you know, two years off of the Super Bowl. That was the year we lost to Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. The game to get back after we lost to Seattle in the regular season, which I also was at that game. But I'm talking about week 16. That was just fun, man. It was a four o'clock game. I remember showing up at like 11 a.m you know, classic Philly tailgate, and then you beat the Cowboys for the playoffs. I mean, this is what better moment would you want? I mean, if it was in 2017, I guess that would have been better. But and we were, I just remember it was a practice walking, squad group of players. Yeah, I just remember the Cowboys even just were so walking, much more talented than us, and we still beat their asses to make the playoffs. Just walking out of the stadium was still felt like you were in the stadium. Yeah. There's nothing better than than football that matters is mm-hmm. always a great environment. At least in, in Philadelphia, I can't speak for like Cincinnati or some other shitholes, but uh, <laughs> yeah, F- Philly uh, football always, always a good time. All yeah, right, you, Matt, you got one more. Uh, I'll do uh, I'll do one more and then a short bonus. And for me, it's the 2016 U.S. Open at Oakmont Country Club. Uh, yep. My friend Alex lives out in Pittsburgh, and uh, the tickets weren't that expensive to go to the. It was the Saturday of the. No, it was, Friday, it was the Friday of the U.S. Open, and I went up to his place the night before. We watched 
Cavs Warriors game six, which was great. And then we woke up early the next day to get to the course. It had rained all day on Thursday, but Friday it cleared up. So we got to see like double rounds. We got to see Dustin Johnson play 36 holes. And what's underrated about golf is that it's the normal price of like a, any, if you go to a major, it'll cost you 110 bucks, but you make your own seats. You get mm-hmm. to, you get to choose where you are on the course. And it's an eight hour, eight to 10 hour day. It's not just like two and a half hours. It's a great deal. You get to walk around. And the most fun stuff is like, you're sitting on a hole and then you just hear a giant like roar from like half a mile away. And you just like, Tiger Woods. Think, you just think about like, what was that? What was that? Who did oh, that? Yeah. And, and it's, and it's the mystery of it's great. And then my bonus is actually a game. I only pseudo attended, which was the 2012 national championship game between Alabama and LSU, where I got to play the halftime show with my high school marching band. And that's it awesome. Didn't matter that twenty thousand or like fifty thousand people were there during halftime because twenty thousand people were getting stuff. But playing live music for a crowd like that big was so exciting and, and exhilarated. Even for a crowd you knew it wasn't pumped. It was just after that. It was just this incredible adrenaline high that like stayed for like the whole night. Yeah, that's awesome. That is pretty cool. My um. um Real quick, I have a bonus too, which is cool. I just went to the March Madness in 2018. I got to watch. It was first round in Pittsburgh. I got to watch Nova kill Hartford. They went on to win the national championship. And I got to see a crazy game between like Alabama and Virginia Tech. And it was like Colin Sexton and John Petty just had this crazy comeback and beat Alabama. And we actually like snuck down to the second row because we were in the Raptors, but that was the second game. We snuck down to the second row and got to watch that game live and just March Madness is cool. Pitt didn't have a team in it. It was in Pittsburgh. We didn't have a team in it, but it was just cool. Sexton was on Alabama, though, no? Yeah, Sexton was on. No, they won. Alabama oh, and Pitt beat said, Virginia okay, Tech. Okay. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, yeah they gotcha. won. Yeah, my, my last, I guess, bonus one here is um, actually the best seats I've ever, probably the most expensive seats I've ever sat in. Uh, I did not pay for them. My family didn't pay for them. My mom worked with the wife of the guy who built Citizens Bank Park or was the head of the construction company who built Citizens Bank Park. So in 2009, when the Yankees played the Phillies in the World Series, game five, I was in like the Diamond Club or whatever, like five rows. Dude, ridiculous. Five rows back. Uh, Chase Utley hit two home runs that game. Uh, That that was like one of the, what were they lost 4-2 in that series? Yeah, that fourth game six. Right. So swiftly pitched. Uh I mean that was really a great but like I was just too young to like truly appreciate it. I was thirteen at the time. Yeah. Um and that goes for like there's a lot of games that I've been in the nose but I was in the nose bleeds for uh fourth and twenty six against the Packers. I How was young wow. were you? Dude, you were really I, I was I was like six, seven, something like that. I'd have to look it up to see what year it was. I was young. Like, that's what I'm saying. I've been to like all these like and and I did appreciate it, it was a great experience. Um, but it was hilarious when, when Utley hit his second home run. This guy who I had met that night, who I guess built the stadiums, <laughs> had got up out of his seat and was double birding the pitcher and screaming at him. I've never like he was a nice guy before the game. I was just like 12, 13 year old, just like, what is going on? But it was a great that's experience. Funny. That's funny. Well, Moving on, Matt mentioned uh, golf a little bit, and it is the Masters weekend. So we thought we'd come up with a little fun segment that we're going to call Things in Sports Harder to Do Than Hitting a Golf Ball Where You Want It to Go. <laughs> so <laughs> long segment name, but who wants to start? This is, a, this is a little bit of Rudy Gobert slander, which I'm feeling for. It's harder for Rudy Gobert to guard a versatile point guard than it is for me to hit a straight ball in golf. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, he probably gets the same satisfaction like once a game where he just stays in front of him long enough to make the guard pass it off. Like that's like my one shot that my one iron shot that I hit actually straight per round. Um, What came to mind for me is like landing a clean blow on Floyd Mayweather probably is like equivalent to me, me personally hitting the ball where the direction and the velocity of which I wanted to go. In golf, yeah. I shoot like a one ten to one twenty, so I'm like just terrible at golf. But, yeah, uh, you actually I shoot, I shoot like ninety to hundred. Yeah, you went the same route I was gonna go because you hear all the uh, the people 
that think they could do it, but they can't. And it was like lasting around or lasting one minute in a ring with a professional boxer or MMA fighter. I think, and I shoot like 86, 87 average in golf last summer, to be honest. I played golf in high school, but I still think that's way harder. And I grew up doing karate, so maybe I have an easier shot than other people in that scenario, but I think that's way harder. Yeah. I I like Jake's thing about landing a punch because it gives you the false confidence that you could do it again. (laughs) That's the worst part about hitting a good shot in golf is you do it. It's like, oh, I got it. And then then it's just gone like immediately after. Yeah, I mean it's just ridiculous. Like, and and the reason that this came to mind, this this segment in general was, you know, the Masters. I was talking with someone, and like my, just like hitting it as pure as I can. Like the golfers, like that'll happen like once or twice for me per round. The golfers in the Masters and really any PGA event, every single shot is like exactly how they're trying to play to to an extent. Obviously, there's some shanks. There's some there's some uh, bad hits that they that they make, but um, you know, for the most part, like they're doing what they want out there whenever they want to. My favorite which... is when they on a par three they hit a shot and they're like visibly frustrated, and like the result is oh they're thirty feet away from the hole on the green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that was me. I was like, yeah, good shot, two putt for par. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I actually, um, I talked to Jake off camera about this. Watching people that know how to hit a golf ball, just like, you know, better than the general population. It's so different. Like I worked in the country club. Um, We have this kid that's really good. He's going D1. He's actually probably committing now. I'm not sure exactly where he's going. I'll catch up with him in the summer. And he's like 17, but can shoot a 66. And even him, just watching him hit a golf ball. And like Matt said, being mad that the ball is not within 10 feet of the pin is ridiculous. And then obviously the head pro that I worked under, who's in his 50s now, can get up and just hit a ball like you couldn't believe. I think the the level of skill there is insane. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's funny because that you know they get angry at the small. Like I, I don't know if you guys saw Siwoo Kim broke his putter, like just destroyed it. Yeah, um, <laughs> like that's something that I would do, but it's after like eight putting agree, <laughs> like eight putter. They're doing something like ridiculous, like yeah, like bogey. Right, yeah, right. So it's just incredible skill on display there at the Masters for sure. For sure, and I'm looking forward to the weekend. I love watching the Masters. Yeah. Um, I think Justin Rose is in the lead now, but I think the Shambo shot 500 today. The course Did got he? a lot. Yeah, the course got a lot easier today. It looked like um, it's going to be a Rose good weekend. Shot even after shooting seven under on the. Yeah, I know it's going to be a good weekend though. I think, but we can move forward. Know this past week in sports, so we're just going to move straight to the countdown, and we're going to start with number five. By the number of number one draft picks in the last 20 years that were not quarterback. For context, only seven out of 20 were quarterbacks in the 20 years before that, including three running backs. So quarterback league. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, like it, I'm not going to change this year. <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was hilarious that three running backs were taking number one overall. You just think about that now. That would never happen. Well, Eagles I, I'm fans booed that we didn't get Ricky Williams. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's even going to be a running back taken in the first round this year. I mean, probably. I think Najee Harris might be first round. Maybe. I, I just I think, think they're all they'll be destined to go end of the first round for a while because contenders will view them as like a a piece they can use in their run the yeah. following year. Like last year with uh, Clyde, he was the first one off the board, but it's still late first rounder. But they ended up not even like he wasn't their primary guy. Like you use a first rounder, and he ends up just being like a part of your rotation. After I, he got hurt, I feel like he was like the guy. Before. In the beginning of the year, they did use him yeah. extensively. That that is right. And That's I think true. going forward, he's still a good running back. So we'll see what happens there. But let's move to number four. The teams the Lakers have beaten in 2021 that currently have a winning record. Uh, and that's the Hornets, the Grizzlies, the Bucks, and the Trailblazers. They have been struggling without LeBron and AD. You got I had the, the, the best update. was the promo that they showed Dennis Schroeder versus Giannis, which really made me laugh. Uh, they got to come through and beat the Nets, though. I got I had to update my favorite stat. I remember I put it in the first time, and Jake was like, wait, really? Well, now in the 48 or 46-game sample size, they've only beat four teams with a winning record. So... And it's going to get a little scary for the Lakers. Crazy. Let them yeah. keep losing. They're they have a tough stretch coming up too. If you look at their schedule, they're out east, so um, you know they're going to be coming back home. I think in like three to four games, and they have a, a tough stretch at home. 
you know, if LeBron and AD don't come back, they might be looking at play in tournament, which is <laughs> that would wild. Be wild. Imagine being the Jazz. You get the insane. one seed, and then boom, you got to play LeBron in the first round. It's just terrible. That would be insane. I I do think though, Matt, they have beat the Grizzlies two or three times. So it's not four out of forty six. It's like six out of sixty forty six. But unique teams, only four. Insane. Yeah. Let's go to number three. The number of quarterbacks that have thrown a pick six in their first career attempt since they started tracking that uh, pick sixes, that is, in 1991. Those three being Brett Favre, Jameis Winston, and Sam Darnold. Honestly, Jameis Winston, like if you just didn't tell him, like if, if I had to take one guess of who was on this list, Jameis Winston would be the guy if I didn't know beforehand. Yeah, but, uh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Hey, only uh, only one of the guys that is eligible to be in the Hall of Fame is in the Hall of Fame. So it's like a hundred percent rate for Jameis Winston and Sam Darnold. It's a good good company to be in. Yeah. It's it's interesting how it just goes down in trajectory of skill. Like you know, Hall of Famer, <laughs> you got like whatever you Jameis is probably the best bad quarterback of all time, is how I describe him. Probably and then Sam Darnold who's just bad and boring. <laughs> bad and boring oh it's like the bad and bougie remix for sam darnold <laughs> bad and boring <laughs> all right let's go to number two the number of skill position players from the eagles super bowl team that are still on the roster that's rodney mcleod and zach Ertz. and this might get whittled down to one they're having some trouble trading zach Ertz. Yeah. and i've gotten i had a little bit of sports depression realizing that it was over especially when you fired doug but I've gotten to the point where I can look back fondly, like, and not like, how is it over kind of things. Like, it happened. It's sad, but I'm, I might be just numb, honestly. So uh, <laughs> let's move on to number one. Yeah, you always have to <laughs> move on. Uh, and honestly, this was going to be my number one with no Earths. And to be honest, this tight end really a skill position. I guess in today's NFL, it is, but. Right. What are they going to do? They want Pitts and they still have Ertz on the roster. It's going to be awkward. I guess they probably just cut Ertz at that point. But, but we, let, we let go with Trey Burton and now he had a good year last year and has Wentz coming in. I yeah. mean, our tight end has been skeptical, but I think Goddard's all right. Let's go to number one. The number of national championships in Baylor basketball history cost me some money just when I start to <laughs> lay some money on the Zags. Uh, they get absolutely routed. They, Dude, Baylor is a bunch of athletic guys on that team. They were strapping up. They, I mean, Drew Drew Timmy looked like he didn't know what where he was at. Like, yeah. half the game. This I also mean, could have been number of losses Gonzaga had in the season. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had more of a you know a laid back fun show than an analytical one. But if you look at the defense that Baylor was playing, they were playing a three two match zone above the three point line. That is insane to me to do. They the Gonzaga couldn't get the ball inside the three point line, and I'm sorry. I know a lot of people are you know mad at the Zags, um, disappointed. But there was not a team in the country that was going to beat Baylor on that night. They came so prepared. They Baylor shot lights swallowed. out, and when they missed, they just got offensive rebound after offensive yeah, rebound. They looked so good. It was a dominant performance, one of the more dominant I've seen in recent college basketball history. If yeah, I'm being honest, the story should be Baylor was the best team, not Gonzaga blew it. Exactly. That's what I hated, too. Well, it, correct me if I'm wrong. These two had a game scheduled in the regular season that got canceled? It did get canceled. Yep. So that, to me, is super fascinating because regardless of the result of that game, whoever wins that game, I mean, obviously it changes the dynamic maybe of the seeding, but... Not much. I would doubt, yeah. Right. Regardless of who wins, both teams are making adjustments. I don't think Gonzaga looks that bad against the against the Baylor, even if even if Maybe. everything else plays out the same. I don't know. Yeah, that's I just like a great just, what if. They were so thrown off by that defense. I feel like Baylor's game plan was just insane. And yeah. Gonzaga maybe had their own game plan, but once you throw in that 3-2 above the three-point line, it just wasn't going to happen. If this was For a sure. seven-game series, I think Baylor wins in six because I think Zaga makes adjustments, but Baylor is yep. definitely the better team. Or, and we do have a number zero today. I'll take it. I'll step up. We got the number of snaps Tony Romo has played in his career when he was already out of playoff contention. I don't know why, but this just stood out to me. So I put it in the script. He never played a snap that didn't matter statistically. That's pretty wild. Yeah. That is really wild, honestly. Yeah, and, uh, and you do have the Romo. Like it helps, you know, getting hurt at the end of the season a lot or, you know, just being benched because you're Tony Romo and it doesn't matter. But that's a crazy stat. I, I don't think most quarterbacks can say that. For sure. 
but we are out of time for today, but we can get some shots up at the buzzer. Uh, anyone want to go first? I'll go shortly. So the Los Angeles Dodgers got their World Series rings today. They look really nice. And I saw some Twitter comments calling it a Mickey Mouse ring. And I understand the thought to do that because it was a 60-game season. But the Dodgers are a unique case because the Dodgers thing was every year they proved it in the regular season. They dominated the regular season. Then in the playoffs, they'd come up short. So the fact that they didn't have a regular season to fully dominate in doesn't disprove their title because they they had the long they had to do more playoffs than they would have if they did a full season, and they won the playoffs, which they proved that they couldn't do. It was a real ring, not a Mickey Mouse ring. I agree. I'm still going to call the Lakers ring a Mickey Mouse ring, though. <laughs> well, it's just fun. It's fun because it's do Orlando. It <laughs> right. well, Do- Dodgers yeah. may bring it. Bring. Another one home. They're going to bring a real one home. You can't say anything about if they bring one home this year. So that's facts. Jake, yeah. you got something to say at the buzzer? Yeah. The only thing I'll say, I, I've been watching uh, a show called Invincible on Amazon Prime. Like I saw that. Yeah. It is like I'm not really like super into like it's not an anime. It's it's all in English, but it is like a cartoon. It's superhero, um, and it's like super brutal. Uh, I, <laughs> I I like I really highly recommend it. They have some like a bunch of famous. Voice, like actors it's uh jk simmons is um one of the main characters uh sandra O oh is another main character uh who is john ham is that his name from Mad Men? is that the yep. actor yeah so there, there's just a ton of people all throughout the show and again like if you like the superhero if you like marvel uh and you have amazon prime i highly recommend the show yeah um i'll just stick on that i do have something to say but I've been watching every Leonardo DiCaprio movie because Netflix put on like seven of them. And then I went even deeper and watched more. And he's the goat actor. I'm <laughs> sorry. He's the goat actor. I don't know if you've seen What's Eating Gilbert Grape, but it's like his second or third movie, movie ever. Unbelievable movie. Yeah, it's like Leo's second or third movie ever. And he put on one of the best performances I've ever seen. And I think the only ones I've missed are like I've seen Titanic, but I've literally watched all of them besides like two. And I, I can firmly say it. I love Shutter Island, too. That's a great movie. That's a good one. I've never seen yeah. uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, but if it comes highly recommended, I'll have to it's put on, that one on the it's list. It's on Netflix. It, it's very, yeah, it's very good. Yeah. But my actual shots up at the buzzer is I just took my last exam until finals, and I'm about to graduate, and it kind of like set in today, and it's a weird feeling. I, I know you guys Congrats, have both you know, went through yeah. it all. I still have finals, and I have papers to write, but... I'm coming to the end. And I, I just, what are your thoughts on? It? I mean, I'm. It's a weird feeling. The name of the feeling is existential dread. Uh, realizing that you are getting older and things are time is uh, no, always marching yet. forward. That's right. You know, you you still got I'm in some, the happy phase, dude. I'm in like no more school. That's right. And, <laughs> and and honestly, coming out of COVID here, you know, you're going to be post grad in a post COVID world. So um, yeah, that that that'll be a good time for you. Uh, I I would say don't. Try, try and get enough hobbies where, you know, if you struggle finding a job like I did, that that can really kind of put more of a load on you. Uh, that yeah. would be my, my advice is just find stuff to, to kind of take up your time outside of looking for a job. Mark? Take advantage of the connections that you have at your university before they expire. Correct. Two years that's, from that's now, a, no one will remember. That's a good one, too. All right. Well, appreciate it, guys. <laughs> but that in is- the bank. All the time we have today for Straight Facts. Shout out to Jake Galley and Stat Matt Robinson. I'm Kyle Sirik, and these have been the facts. Straight up.